0: Would you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 30. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 30, a familiar passage, the rich young ruler. The message is entitled, Choose This Day. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word? And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take your Holy Word and plant it deep in our hearts. Lord, would you give us understanding? Would you help us to receive your Word? Bless us now with your presence as the Word goes forth. Grant your Word success. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. there are some devices that trap animals that are absolutely terrifying to look at. Spring-loaded jaws that bite into flesh and clutch to the death. And there's another kind of trap that's been used in Africa that relies not on the sharpness of metal jaws and not on the strength of a powerful spring but on the complete unwillingness of the animal to let go of the bait. It's a trap to catch monkeys. Tribesmen have been using this technique for years. They take a coconut and they dig a hole in the top of it, just big enough for a monkey to put its hand in. And they put a trail of bait up to the coconut, nuts, fruit, and they put the nuts and fruit into the coconut and the monkey smells the bait, and follows the bait to the coconut, and sticks its hand in the coconut, grabs the food, and won't let go. It's his own unwillingness to let go that he's held by. It's not jaws of steel, it's not a powerful spring, it's his own unwillingness to let go that he's trapped by. In Joshua chapters 22 to 24, Joshua commands the people of Israel to cling to the Lord. Listen to what he says in Joshua 22 verse five, only be careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you To love the Lord your God, and to walk in all His ways, and to keep His commandments, and to cling to Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. In chapter 23, the same word is used, he says in verse 8, but you shall cling to the Lord your God. Verse 12, for if you turn back and cling to the remnant of all these nations, remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you But they shall be a snare and a trap for you a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes Until you perish from from off the good ground that the Lord your God has given you and at the very end in chapter 24 Joshua says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that your, that your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're familiar with the word cling. It's the same word back in Genesis where it says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast or cling or cleave to his wife and they shall become, the two shall become one flesh. The word means to hold fast, to cling, to cleave, and it's a metaphor for loyalty, affection, and allegiance. It demonstrates what you value, what you treasure. And what Joshua was saying to the people of Israel is to treasure the Lord your God above all else, cling to Him, cleave to Him, hold fast to Him, set your affections on Him, your allegiance on Him. And if you don't, there will be extreme consequences for your rebellion. The message is entitled, Choose This Day, because that's exactly what is happening In this passage, Jesus encounters a man who is clinging to his riches at the cost of eternal life. He's ensnared, and the issue is that he won't let go. He won't choose life. And he walks away from Jesus, his only hope. Jesus uses this opportunity to press the reality and teach his disciples that it is not only impossible for the wealthy to enter the kingdom, it's impossible for everyone. And that's where the good news of the gospel comes in. God does what man cannot do. He makes the unwilling willing by the power of his grace. I want you to notice with me the movement in Luke's narrative from number one, a particular rich man, to number two, rich people in general, to number three, all people everywhere. And then finally to number four, those who follow Jesus. Let's look first at a particular rich man, verses 18 to 23, and a ruler asked him, "'Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?' Notice with me that this was a man who was esteemed in his community. He was a ruler most likely a ruler in the synagogue, but somebody who had a position of authority, position of influence. He was esteemed and revered in his community, but also he was earnest in his pursuits. Luke doesn't tell us this detail, but Mark does in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Look at what he says. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up, and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This was a man who was earnest in his pursuits. He ran up to Jesus. He was sincere. He was earnest. It wasn't like the lawyers who were trying to trap Jesus in his words. He had a question that was burning on his heart and he wanted to get answered. He was esteemed in his community. He was earnest in his pursuits, and he was ethical in his behavior. Notice what Jesus says to him. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus is laying out before him what he's saying, who is standing before him, the only one who is good, who is God in the flesh. And he says in verse 20, you know the commandments. Remember, this is an ethical man. He's sincere. He's desiring to keep the law. He says, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. These are commandments. Number seven, number six, number eight, number nine, and number five of the Ten Commandments. And verse 21 says, And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. He was an ethical man, a moral man who was concerned about the law of God. But notice also, he was extremely rich. Verse 23 says, But when he had heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. What did he hear? Jesus responded to him when he says he had kept all the commandments. He said, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. So here's a man who's esteemed, he's earnest, he's ethical, and he's extremely rich. The kind of person that you would think, this is the kind of man who's fit for the kingdom. This is the kind of man that we want wearing the kingdom jersey. Think about the the money, the influence. Think about the impact that he can make. And yet we see that this was a man who was ensnared in his wealth. Look at what he says. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Mark's account says this, verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He walked away from Jesus because he was rich and he didn't want to let go. Jesus gave a pointed command to this particular rich man. Sell all that you have, distribute to the poor and come follow me. Jesus was exposing what this man was clinging to. It was not the Lord. He may have thought that he was keeping all the commandments from his youth, but he was clearly breaking the first commandment. You shall have no other gods besides me. Now, notice that he didn't command this for everyone. There are a lot of rich people in Scripture Joseph of Arimathea, remember the tomb that Jesus was laid in? It was a tomb of a rich man. Abraham, Jacob, there are so many rich people in the Scriptures, and Jesus doesn't command everyone to sell all that they have. And you might be thinking, whew, I'm glad that that's not a command for everyone. R.H. Gundry says this, that Jesus did not command all his followers to sell all their possessions, gives comfort only to the kinds of people to whom he would issue that command. Is it comforting you right now that he issued this command to a particular rich man and not all people in the same way? There's a movement from this particular rich man to rich people in general, number two, in verses 24 to 25. And Jesus seeing that he had become sad said this, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. I want you to notice the words that he uses synonymously in this, in this account. Verse 18, eternal life. Verse 24, the kingdom of God, entering the kingdom of God. Verse 25, the kingdom of God, verse 26, then who can be saved? And then following in verse 29, the kingdom of God, verse 30, eternal life. Jesus is talking about salvation in this passage. He's talking about entering the kingdom of God, being saved. So he speaks of rich people in general How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The largest animal in Israel, the camel, and the smallest opening, the opening of a needle. And what he's saying, it's impossible. You can't put a camel through the eye of a needle. And there's been lots of people who've tried to explain that away with many different explanations, but the reality is Jesus is saying that it's impossible. It's not just hard, it's not just difficult, it's impossible. It's impossible for a man to save himself from being ensnared by the love of money. First Timothy chapter six, verses nine to 10 says this, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, in the parable of the sower and the seeds, verse 22 says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. The deceitfulness of riches, the ensnarement of wealth. We, we talked about the seduction of wealth several weeks ago. And really, today, we're looking at the ensnarement of wealth. You can't get out of it. It's impossible. Only the grace of God can break the snare of riches. R.T. France says discipleship and the pursuit of wealth are fundamentally incompatible. And we're talking about the pursuit of wealth, the love of money, not riches in general. Like we said, this is not a command to all people to sell all that you have. In fact, there are instructions for the rich. Paul gives instructions in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. He's not talking about just riches. Riches are morally neutral. He's talking about the pursuit of riches, clinging to riches. Discipleship and the pursuit of wealth are fundamentally incompatible, says R.T. France. We move from a particular rich man to rich people in general to number three, all people everywhere. Look at verses 26 to 27. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? See, the disciples got it. The disciples got the illustration. Jesus says, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples said, then who can be saved? If this man can't be saved, the man who is esteemed in his community, he's sincere. He's earnest. He's moral. If this man can't be saved, then who can be? The disciples got it. Verse 27, but he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. He's saying, yes, it is impossible. It's not just difficult. It's impossible. It's impossible for man to be saved apart from divine grace, apart from the action of God. It's impossible for men like this to enter the kingdom, and it's impossible for everyone to enter the kingdom. And this is where the good news of the gospel comes in, that what is impossible with man is possible with God. We're celebrating Christmas coming up. It says in Galatians that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. God makes a way for sinners to be saved. It's impossible with man but God does the impossible through the gospel. See, divine grace does for man what he will not and cannot do for himself. When I say he will not, it's because his will is in bondage to sin. Martin Luther talked about this in the Reformation, and he, he, he wrote a book called The Bondage of the Will. Man's will is in bondage to sin, and he will not. He will not let go of control, of treasure to follow God. It's impossible. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says this, Verse seven, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And Paul talks about in Ephesians that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're not alive, we're dead. We, we can't choose God. But divine grace does for man what he will not and cannot do for himself. Grace does the impossible. It causes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the dead to rise, and sets the captives free. It looses the white knuckle grip on idols of the heart like riches, and changes the desires and affections so that sinners can see the treasure that Christ is forsaking everything to follow Him. It takes the grace of God for anyone to be saved. They can't see it themselves. They won't do it themselves. They can't. It's only by the grace of God. Paul says in Ephesians, for by grace we're saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no man can boast this rich young ruler thought that he was a law keeper he thought that he was doing everything right but remember what james says that if you break the law at one point you're guilty of the whole law and there he was breaking the first commandment putting other things before the lord putting his riches before the lord so it moves from particular rich man to rich people in general to all people everywhere and then number four to those who follow Jesus look at verses 28 to 30 and Peter said see we have left our homes and followed you and he said to them truly I say to you there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this life, in this time, and in the age to come, eternal life. Notice that that Jesus is encouraging his disciples. He's giving assurance to his disciples. It's the same as what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses nine to 13, he says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he says in chapter 8, verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And that's what Jesus is telling his disciples. That no one who believes on the Lord will be put to shame. They will not be disappointed. He says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. You will not be put to shame. You will not be disappointed. Let me close with this, by asking a few questions. What are you clinging to right now? You see, we're all so prone to cling to things other than the Lord, to treasure things other than the Lord, and we might not even realize that we're caught, that we're stuck, we won't let go that we need the help of God to let go. See, you may may be like the monkey with his hands stuck in the coconut, clinging to the nuts and fruit, and you won't let go. And maybe it's your money that you're clinging to, your possessions. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a relationship that's not pleasing to the Lord, a TV show that you're streaming right now, that if somebody were to say, you shouldn't be watching that. Or if you felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, don't watch that, are you clinging to it? Are you angry? Do you, do you go away sad? And maybe you're clinging to the very control of your life. If you were to hear the words, surrender, let go. Surrender your life to Jesus today. What are you going to choose? Would you choose to surrender and follow the Lord Jesus, knowing that he is the greatest treasure? Or would you go away sad? See, today is a call to surrender. Today is a call to choose this day whom you will serve. So all of us, if you're you're not a believer in Christ, today is is a, a call to surrender. Surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you're believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe today also for you is a call to surrender. Maybe today the Lord is showing you that you're clinging to things, that you're putting other things before Him that you won't let go. And you need to cry out to the Lord today for His divine grace to help you let go, to help you confess your idolatry as sin, maybe you need to ask Him today to help you loose your grip on the things that you're clinging to, the things that you're treasuring besides the Lord. So what will it be? In the same way that Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. Who will you and I serve? Will we serve the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, clinging to Him alone? Will we cling to the things of this world, the things of this life, the fleeting pleasures of sin, the possessions that we can't take with us? Will we cling to those? What will you choose? Let's pray. Father, we pray that today, that by your grace, that you would help us follow you with all of our hearts, that we would release the things that we're clinging to. And for those who are clinging to their very lives, being the king of their lives, being in control of their lives, I pray that today that they would hear the call to come and follow Jesus, that they would let go By the power of your grace, they would let go and cling to Jesus for eternal life. Lord, help us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.